was on the 9th of June 1862 on a summer's afternoon I took the bus from Barbaras She was heavy laden And away we went along Collingwood Street That's on the road to Bladen Oh, me lads, you should have seen the salad Passing the boats along the road Just to see the salad All the lads and lasses there And all the smiling faces Down the land of Scotland You're what is good, ladies and germs. Welcome to another episode of CHN Radio. It's your boy here, Elijah, and I am joined alongside the man with the plan, the guy who's not so posh. His name is Josh. Josh, how are you doing? Oh, yeah. I've never been rhymed with, with posh. That's That's fresh. That's new. Yeah. Got to keep it fresh for the folks. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I will lament that tonight I was unable to get out to GameStop and pick up my fresh copy of FIFA 23. So yeah. that'll that'll tonight's my last night with FIFA 22. So I'm torn. Like, do I play mm. or do I or do I not play? And then I just kind of like, you know, polish the disc and put it back in the box and sell it, sell it to GameStop tomorrow to pick up 23. So, yeah, yeah that's nope. my con- that's my post podcast conundrum. Mm. Yeah, it, I mean, uh, you selling FIFA 22 to GameStop in order to get the $3 discount off of FIFA 23. That's the, that's the true plight here. But what do you, I mean, what else do you do with them? I do that. Like <laughs> most of my games, right? Most of my games I download, but yeah. when it comes to FIFA, I know I'm getting rid of it. And yeah. if I were to keep it, like what would be the point? It's, mm. it's $3 in pocket, but it's, it's $3 that, right. It's like yeah. three more dollars towards the game that you're going to get anyway so that's fair yeah. that's fair yeah, yeah. i'm yeah. in this weird space of like i'm i was I'm, i just made a cross-country move and i'm looking for a job so my spending is on hold so i'm just going to be sticking with you 22 <laughs> until your boy gets a job and then absolutely be absolutely <laughs> um, but yeah all right real quick let's let's hop into this um, yes, we sir. Got a couple of announcements to get out the way uh, be sure to follow the podcast account at ch and underscore podcast and the main account at Coming Home NUFC. Um, a lot of good stuff going up on the site and around the webs. Um, Josh, you, you got anything you want to plug? Um, well, the poll came back, and uh, we posted that poll on Coming Home Newcastle's Twitter page, mm-hmm. and I'll be writing the historical bio on um, on Andy. Yeah, now that I have to say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Cole, the king of goals. So uh, yeah, yeah. Again, like it's people. People who be listening to this are shaking their head. Like, how do you not? I know his name. It just slipped my brain right right now. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I, I, given the following, I was surprised that a very popular figure was chosen. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I you know, and I look forward to eventually putting the other three names back on on the poll, and you know, we'll 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 do another one after I'm done with Andy Cole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So that that's the housekeeping stuff out of the way. Before we actually get into the first thing on the schedule, I actually forgot to add something to the um, to our outline. So this is just in the moment, getting a taste of, of what it's like to to be on the uh, the uh, the planning side of CH and Radio. There is one story, Josh, that I do want to quickly breeze. Yeah, over, go for it. Go for it. Um, before we get into the the nitty gritty. Um, Newcastle have made a signing potentially, uh, according to uh, our, our good friend uh, Keith Downey, um, and confirmed by Fabrizio Romano and everyone at the Athletic. There was some rumors floating around, honestly, around when we recorded last week, which is this is also pretty cool. Is that we're now getting before um, we would get rumors and they would float in the ether for months on end, but today uh, in this day and age with this new regime. A rumor might float around or we may never hear about a player and then they just show up and they've been signed. And so that's kind of happened with Newcastle. Um, they've signed a young 17-year-old Australian talented striker, Garan Cole. His older brother plays um, in the Aussie A-League as well and even said that uh, Garang is going to be better than him. Um, but he's a young 17-year-old. I believe this most recent international window was... His first call up, or he's he was mm-hmm. anticipating his first call up into the Australian side, um, and Newcastle are bringing this lad in to I would imagine 
slot right into the youth academy. And this is, again, the mark of a different era for the club. Uh, Newcastle um, were never actively recruiting, I would say, uh, talent for the youth academy. Anytime Newcastle made a youth academy signing, it was a player that had flailed out of another large academy and Newcastle were just taking a chance. But now they've gone out and they've scouted the guy who's torn it up in the A-League. I believe he has five goals and like only 145 minutes played. It might be four goals. I have to double check. But again, a guy who's starting to light it up maybe could be a nice prospect um, out of Australia. And by all means, anyone who's followed Australian football and I just I have friends who gamble way too much, so they they were very much like big signing, big W because they they, they gamble it. on Australian league yeah. football. So. Yeah, well, I mean, he had just turned eighteen, I think, just to, yeah. like within the last week. Yeah, and he did make his debut with the Socceroos uh, in matches against New Zealand, the recent home and away with New Zealand. Yeah, um, where he didn't score a goal, but he did draw a penalty, and then the resulting goal from that penalty, I think, was the winner. Um, against one of the matches with New Zealand. Um, one of the, so what I was reading in the article from, from uh, coming home, Newcastle's homepage was that he will be coming in January. Yes. Um, but it will be a transfer, an immediate transfer alone. And that has something to do with this UK work permit. Of course. And, and I'm just kind of wondering, I'm of course, you know, here in the States, we're not entirely familiar with the fallout from Brexit and yeah. this is this is not a political discourse and this is not I'm not it's not a judgment. It's me genuinely wondering if this UK work permit situation is related to Brexit um, to yes. the best of your information. Is that was that so that's a recent change in the last few years and that yeah, is forcing it, them to loan him off to mainland Europe. And so he he's not really joining us. He's going to finish the season, but he should get enough caps through Australia that then he'll qualify. Yeah, it, it's just been there's there's a bit tighter restrictions and the restrictions ahead for well, in previously for getting a work permit. Um, there was a lot more. There was a, a, a much quicker appeal process um, for certain players. Um, if you were because uh, it, it, it's it's your your it's it's an EU thing rather than a UK thing. And Brexit, okay. it's made it much tougher. Actually, this is a good a good case in point scenario was a uh, Diego Costa who just signed with uh, Wolves um, ran into the same issue where mm. this is a clearly this person is qualified to work in the UK. He has won, you know, a ton of trophies at the highest level, but could not secure a work permit because he had not had enough uh, appearances, um, professional appearances, as well as appearances uh, with his national team in the past uh, seasons or so. So, uh, there, there was a there was a potential that they would have to sign Andy Carroll, which is like to go from Costa <laughs> to Carroll. That's quite the move, and it's fascinating because they both played the same amount of matches last season. Mm-hmm. But because Andy Carroll's a UK citizen, like it doesn't matter. Even even if Diego Costa, uh, he just hadn't played a professional uh, match this season, and then also just didn't have the. I, don't, I think he had the international appearances aspect of it overall, but didn't have the league appearances aspect of it, which, um, again, it just caused some issues. Uh, and it's part of the reason Alexander Isak, he ran into a delay as well. It's just when everything is going through just the UK permit office instead of a centralized European Union mm-hmm. uh, work permit process, it, it's it's just a, a cog in the machine. And unfortunately, Again, we're we're both American, so we can't speak too much of it. But it does appear, and there's been plenty written about how since Brexit, it has been much more difficult for for players to obtain work permits because the requirements have have changed for them. Um, and there was a whole piece uh, a couple se- a couple of years ago, I guess, or beginning before maybe before last season, uh, that was written by the Athletic about this whole process and what's different about a. Uh, the work permit process and like, how does that change for people under the age of 21, et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. um, yes, as it stands, the biggest barrier for, for this kid is that he just does not have enough Australian international appearances, I believe at a senior level in yeah. order to get a work permit in uh, the UK. But I also don't think Newcastle is incredibly too stressed because um, given how he's already playing professionally, 
Um, I say it's like one for the academy in the sense of like it's a young player that we don't expect to play anytime soon. So he's kind of in our U23s. I think he would have been a player that Newcastle would try to would have tried to loan out regardless, even if he yeah. came in January. I don't think he's going to be he was going to be an individual that was going to contribute immediately. So, yeah, it is quite fascinating. Um, and I do again, I think there is a, an element of Brexit that has led to to some of the delays. And feel free to chime in. Uh, chn fam if if we're wrong but uh, i yeah based on what i've been reading that is the case yeah i'd be interested to see uh you know we'll keep track of him once he gets um you know into the side and in, into the academy um whatever happens i'm very curious uh you know whatever happened to santiago muñoz uh, which is a similar signing out of mexico last year mm-hmm. right it was a very familiar name to a lot of those of us that have watched uh, yeah. goal but um you know you know, sometimes I don't know what happened to this guy. Was he is he still in the is he still in the B side? Where is he playing? Yeah, um, I and honestly, can we call him up because we might need him. <laughs> yeah, there uh, now he was a person who, if I remember correctly, uh, um, ran into a bit of an injury scare earlier on this season mm. because there was like a U twenty threes match and someone had asked like what happened to Santiago, like where is he? But I cannot remember if that was um, before the transfer window ended and he had gotten loaned out. Um, but uh, let me let me let me just do some some quick confirmation. Yeah, sure. He's still in the U23s, um, and he did have a bit of an injury bug to start the, the season off. But he's he's played in four matches so far and has one assist. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll, that's we'll keep our eye. On, we'll keep our eye on him. We'll keep on our eye on him. Um, but yeah, so. Um, and then there was there was some talk earlier uh, about potentially him either going out on loan or leaving the club altogether. I I don't know. I don't buy him being flat out sold. I think at this point you kind of have to give everyone the benefit of the doubt in the academy as the academy starts to build and and make a name for itself. You can't just like release guys uh, who have only been here for a year or so. So. Anyway, um, let's move on to uh, our first topic. Uh, Josh, I'm going to swing it over to you. You've got an update on the women's team. So Yeah, I, with, the, with the last episode, Elijah, we ended talking about the Newcastle United women. I thought it would be nice to begin this episode with the women um, since they have most recently played a match. They are now 3-1-1 one, and one with 10 points. Um, they're second place in the WPL Division One North. Um, their most recent result was a 9-1 blasting away to Nedalem in the FAWNL Cup. Um, their next match is at home. Uh, this weekend, they host Durham uh, Sestria. And their next league match uh, is this coming. Okay, their next cup match is at home versus Durham Sestria. And I think that's uh, next weekend. And then this this in just a few days this coming weekend is against um, Norton and Stockton ancients. I love that name. They're the ancients. Yeah. I mean, you don't get that here in America. No. <laughs> you, you get like fury and um, flames and you know, surf, whatever. Yeah. You get some silly names here. Um, ancients. That's just, a, un, that's just awesome. Um, okay. So should first place Barnsley fail to beat Stockport and our lasses win, they're even Steven at the top of the table on 13 points. They were supposed to play Barnsley, I think, in a, in a week's time. But that game was postponed because of their cup win. So they'll they'll replay that match at some point in the season. Um, but, yeah, the women are looking good. Um, remember, uh, it's tight. It's tight in this league because only one team from this division gets promoted. Yeah. So we have, to, we have to get first. And Barnsley is sort of like our first big hurdle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, investment in the in the prop in the team will help because uh, you know on a number of levels. So if it's not this season, you'd hope that it's next season. But yeah, that's always that's good stuff. Um, and I will have to say, some of these names don't sound like real places. Nettleham, that's that's not that's not a place. Let's it's a make it's a make your own team. Is yeah, yeah, <laughs> someone's created that team. All right, uh, let's let's hop into international duty real quick. Uh, let's first go through the kind of the usual sus- suspects who, um, for lack of a better term, just there's not a lot of relevant football they played. Uh, Miguel Amaron, Paraguay's not in the World Cup, so just 
some friendly tune-ups. Uh, he had an appearance. Nothing happened. It was an unknown draw. Cher appeared in a 2-1 win over the Czech Republic and Nations League. So good for him. Had a good match. It's like a 7.9. Somewhere in that high sevens match rating. It depends on what site you look at. Uh, Jamal Lewis played for Northern Ireland twice. Nothing crazy. And I think Ryan Fraser might have... I, I cannot remember. I think he started and maybe came on as a sub or okay. only played one match. Either way, none of them really had any sort of impact that is you know worth mentioning and unfortunately outside of Fabian shared none of their teams are relevant you know coming up to it on the on a grand scheme of things um and then we'll let's let's talk about the two England boys we did mention last week uh you know what was the likelihood of either of them playing uh and yeah I believe we both mentioned Nick Pope was going to get a shout a shout he got uh <laughs> whether yeah, yeah. or not that is whether that whether or not that means that he is going to uh, get another shout, yeah, get another shout is <laughs> is left to be seen. Uh, so, for reference, Nick Pope started both of England's matches. They played Italy and Germany, so they they played good teams. I think yeah. that's yeah, you know, on paper these are good teams. Uh, so that's worth mentioning. Um, the first one, uh, Italy. One one nil. Not really like much of Nick Pope's fault. I think no one was disappointed with Nick Pope per se. Maybe with England as a whole, with yeah. the the talent they have on the the pitch and not being able to score a single goal or create you know dangerous opportunities. When you start Phil Foden, Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, Saka, Declan Rice, I mean Jude Bellingham. I mean it. The, the, it's just it's a wealth of riches that that team has and. So again, anytime they don't fit the bill, it's it's very frustrating. Yeah, you know, and I would say we're not necessarily analysts of the English national team, of course. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say this just I mean in in defense of Nick Pope, you, you've listed off a great list, a great short list of offensive minded players from the midfield yeah. on, right? That back <laughs> yeah. line is suspect, right? Mm-hmm. It's so it's so suspect that like it's got U.S. men's national team fans like fanboying over this situation wondering if we've got a shout against england because they can get got like you yeah. you can get after that back line and southgate he, he i mean again i don't i don't watch a ton but i yeah. watch enough that it, it seems like this man is dedicated to the to his back line and he doesn't make ch- the changes that are necessary and that put nick yeah. pope on the line there's nothing i don't think there's anything he could do with that one goal against italy Germany, though, he did have a slip up. Yeah. We, so the Germany match ended 3-all. Three, three um, and again, not a lot of change in the back line. John Stones came into the picture um, for Kyle Walker. And I think the unfortunate thing is that it does seem like, like individually, there's a lot of talent uh, in that back line. But for some reason, you know, you look at them on a club level – like Dyer's not a terrible center back. I mean, he's been he's been putting in work, and especially this season, he's looked solid for Tottenham for sure. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You know, John Stones is it's great. And Kyle Walker, he, he's he's good. I mean, Harry Maguire is a person, but for some reason, <laughs> they they all come together, and it just is disastrous. Uh, and so, yeah, Nick Pope, rough rough outing. Uh, yeah. Some of it there was there was one goal in particular that felt like a, a Nick Pope mistake, but for the most part, it, it was just just getting bombarded with shots. I mean, it faced faced uh, ten shots, a lot of them on target. It it I mean it's tough. Uh, so again, not his best appearance. Uh, there was a little bit of controversy or controversy, as they say, across sure. the pond. Uh, Trent Alexander Arnold, widely kind of known as one of the most talented young fullbacks in the world um, mm-hmm. definitely has his faults. Uh, I think it's come to light over maybe the, maybe the last couple of seasons that he's not the best at defending. So with the attacking output uh, that he puts out, um, he just, you lose a lot of uh, his, his, you, you, either, you just are missing something defensively and it's a fair criticism. And for the most part, it has not really affected Liverpool. Uh, they've they have the necessary cover for it. They have, right. you know, one of the best center backs in the world, if not in the, the best world. back in the yeah, world, exactly. Uh, and they have, you know, insanely great, you know, midfielders, and they 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 have adjusted for his weaknesses. England national team, however, it is just becoming 
like we said, you already have a very suspect back line. They are adamant about playing with the back three and using wing back. So uh, when you have an option like Reese James, who brings a lot to the table attacking wise, as well as a, is a solid defender, he's starting to get the nod over Trent Alexander Arnold. It's ruffling a little bit of feathers, but what was interesting is that uh, in the Germany match, um, Trent Alexander Arnold uh, was not even named to the uh, to the bench. Uh, Kieran Trippier made an appearance on the bench ahead of him. Trippier didn't play, but it did, of course, raise some questions from the media. And Gareth Southgate did respond and publicly said that uh, Gareth Southgate said he feels. Trent Alexander-Arnold's all-around game is behind that of Kieran Trippier's, which is kind of what we've alluded to. And it's very fascinating to see how angry people have gotten in Liverpool fans, for sure, when yeah. this is something that's just been widely discussed in every circle I've followed, is that he's just not a great defender. And yeah, it's but... been much more on display. In I the, mean, here's in the thing, like, we don't we don't have a whole ton of Liverpool supporters listening to us, so yeah. that's probably good. Yeah, they, uh, I mean, they are the 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 whingiest bunch. Mm-hmm. They bother me so much, and I think it's a sense of like hubris and entitlement, and it's like they they're gonna get their feathers ruffled about anything that is you know misspoken about one of their players, and so it, it that isn't at the that isn't to say that like they're they aren't arguing that you know Kieran is a bad player but you know they're just so high on their own you know on their own sauce that uh, maybe they can't see past past that you know so um yeah hopefully you know, they don't make... at me here on social media yeah no th- i doubt that will happen unless yeah. i unless i make the title of this uh <laughs> Kieran Trippier is better than Trent Alexander Arnold and yeah they'll, they'll figure it the out Liverpool blog um, yeah, and, and it's a weird situation to be in because as great as Trent Alexander and Arnold is from a set piece perspective, it's like their entire attack is also great from it. So it's 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 becoming yeah. harder and harder yeah. to justify playing him over, especially when now England has talent at the right back position um, outside of Trippier. They, they have uh, Reese James as well. So it's like it's really becoming difficult to justify uh, giving Trent minutes ahead of Reese James, who if healthy is likely going to start most, if not all the world cup matches. And so when you think about who, what would you rather have on your bench, another attacking spark or someone who's going to be solid defensively, I kind of lean towards taking the solid defensive option mm-hmm. uh, to sub on, to see out a match, the experienced hand. So again, all very interesting uh, going forward. I'm curious to see how, uh, when England names their World Cup roster, what that looks like. Um, they're still, they're very thin at left back as well. Uh, there's only two really um, options and one of them is injury prone. So, uh, <laughs> so, so we will, we will see uh, how, how that works as well. There could be a, a, a situation in which uh, Trippier makes the squad just to provide cover on that side as well, even if it is unorthodox um, as, as we've discussed. Uh, so, um uh, which brings us to the last bit on international duty injuries. Uh, so this is something that Josh actually mentioned uh, in the last episode about being nervous about injuries and how that could affect everything in literally the very next day. Alexander Isak uh, uh, basically pulled out of the Sweden camp dealing with an injury that will keep him out of this upcoming match. And uh, Bruno as well, which uh, I think Bruno actually might have pulled out first. And Bruno's yeah. was meant he I think he ended up staying with the team and training with the team and was able to continue and train continue to train uh individually, uh, but uh is likely also not gonna be playing against Fulham. Uh and so Newcastle now have uh two more added to the injury list. And so Josh, I just want your quick thoughts on yeah. <laughs> seeing that news and then kind of reacting to it and then doing the I told you so. Yeah, I hope it's, you know, I hope I'm not bad luck. Uh, but, you know, this has been my general perspective on on international soccer to begin with. It's just a, it's just a risk. And I don't know. Again, as we discussed, you know, last pod, this is just something those players perceive as to be the highest level of soccer or football available to them. So, you know, I don't want to diss it too much. But, you know, now are we in a full blown injury crisis now with with Isak out with what is still listed to me? I mean, I haven't seen what it's what it 
what the injury is. It's sort of an, an unknown mystery injury that'll have him out for a few more weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, so now Bruno is out. Wilson, is he back? You know, ASM, yeah. is he back? John Joe's out. Darlow's out. Kraft is obviously out. So, you know, I th- are we in a full-blown injury crisis? Yeah, it's a, it's a good shot. I mean, uh, there's some there were rumors floating around this week that ASM and Wilson could be fit. Um, but again, as we're recording this, at honestly, the latest possible moment to record the podcast and not know the status of these individuals. Right. Uh, before the match Saturday, we'll have a clearer picture because uh, uh, Eddie will do his, his pre-match presser and inevitably will provide an injury update. Uh, you just have not had that opportunity yet. So we'll, we will know more. But for now, it does seem like potentially ASM and Wilson could be back. But I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket. And John Joe is, is apparently ahead of schedule, which is good. But yeah, we've we've lost Kraft, we've lost Darlow, um, Isak. Again, we don't know what the, the status of that injury could be. We don't know the status of what Bruno's injury could be because you had Bruno come off of you know being healthy, quote unquote, and then uh, as we mentioned in the last pod, not really looking as healthy as mm. uh, we thought he was when when we were told he was going to start this match and then he immediately gets injured again uh, when he goes and checks into to Brazil's uh, training camp. So yeah, it, there's a lot of questions. Um, the overall, d- do you think there's anything like, this is such a weird, uh, such a weird, uh, like, I guess, question to ask. Mm-hmm. Um but is, is there anything like Newcastle could have really done in the summer window to alleviate this? Or if the, or is this just growing pains? And again, we've dealt with this in the past, but it's always felt like there was, it was inevitable and there was nothing. We knew that Mike Ashley was not going to spend to deepen the squad. But now it does feel like, hmm, should that be a priority? Is is signing a lot of players in order to have a yeah. deeper squad? Or like, like we've kind of mentioned in the past, is it kind of stick with the gut feeling of improving over time and slowly integrating people in the team and guys who are now starters becoming bench pieces. Now it's just looking like anyone, uh, yeah. like anyone and everyone is getting injured. Starters. I think, pieces. <laughs> I think, um, yeah. Uh, Taylor Payne and Chris Woff talked about this on their pod earlier this week. Um, to, to this point that I'm, you know, that I'm going to bring up, I think that we had focused on maybe you and I have even discussed this, that, that, uh, did they miss somebody? Did they not sign the midfielder that they needed? It was hard to foresee that. Right. But they, but the point was made that they did sign players, right? Mm-hmm. So someone had asked them, Hey, are we focusing on depth when we should have been, you know, or are we focusing on great starters when we should have been focusing on depth or did we miss a step here? And the answer was, well, we didn't. We, we focused on bringing in great players that became starters, and then the starters that we had now became the depth pieces. So by default, we actually did add to the depth, but yeah. it's just sort of in an inverse way. And I really like that point. And so it sort of alleviates that mentally, you know, that question like, did Newcastle miss something? Well, it may feel like they should have signed one more midfielder, and they may well do, right? We may get to January and they'll have a midfielder lined up, maybe even an extra winger, right? To, mm-hmm. you know, and the slowly but surely add a little bit of talent every window just to make sure that we're, that we're keeping track with the program, with the plan. Um, so, yeah, we could we could use another midfielder right about now, but um, I think the the the, yeah. the the comment on the midfielder is is a fascinating one because I think it's that problem is exacerbated when you feel as if you're not getting production out of anyone not named Bruno or Shelby. Like, let's be real, Joel Linton's been solid, but he's yeah. not. I mean, it, it's very it's it's becoming, and I don't want to I don't want to say this, but it's very clear in my eyes when I watch him play that like he is a, he's, he's not a true midfielder. And so, you know, I've, I've tampered my expectations as to what I'm expecting from him, but I think there was a, a expectation that Joe Willock would take a bigger step forward and become a little bit more consistent than he has been, especially given, you know, when he had his opportunities uh, towards the end of last season I mean, he 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 was the reason Bruno like was not uh, starting. I mean, yes, Eddie wants to wean guys on slowly, but I mean, Joe was making it so that he was damn near undroppable. And 
so when you when you see that in training and you see that in the previous season you can you feel better about waiting it out for a John Joe Shelby when you genuinely start to see uh Sean Longstaff look slightly better and yeah. I don't even fault Sean I think Sean Longstaff given like the position that he's in and and how high Newcastle fans or really how low they've been on him the past season and a half I think he's been fine and has slotted in as a deaf guy off the bench but I think part of the the midfield struggles is that overall that unit seems to be underperforming. And it's the same thing with the attacking side where on paper, Newcastle have a lot of attackers. I mean, you have three strikers, you have, you know, four, four, uh, four wingers. Like you have an appropriate amount of individuals. It's just that three of your four wingers are useless and, And in one of your strikers is a giant brick wall. And the other one that, that seems to not have the effect, the the impact that fans want him to have in Chris Wood. And maybe that's a tactical thing, or maybe that's just that Chris Wood was a desperation signing that we needed. And then one of your other strikers is always injured. So yeah, it, you know, some of it is a depth thing, but like you said, on paper, technically the team is deeper and I don't deny that. I mean, your third choice center back went from being, you know, the beginning of last season, Federico Fernandez. Now your third choice center back is arguably our best center back from last season in Dan Byrne. And you can even go as far, far to say is that right now, as things stand, Sven Botman is your third choice center back and that's your big money signing. Like, the team has gotten deeper. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, though, you did remind me, We just to circle back to the injury situation, Chris Wood, mm-hmm. uh, I believe he got injured playing for New Zealand. So um, I don't I don't know if he'll be missing the match. He's not listed. He's not listed as a, 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 a big injury, but I, there was mention of it during the week that he was he was injured playing for New Zealand. So Man, I don't. We are, I, we are bad I, because we've not. We didn't even mention Chris Wood. Both pods going international. Break. We mentioned the U twenty one guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elliot Anderson. <laughs> yeah. So oh, that's tough on us. Yeah, we'll we'll do better to keep up with Chris Wood going forward, but. Uh, <laughs> hopefully hopefully he's healthy on saturday uh, you know it is yeah. uh, you know because we we sure, certainly can use him if we don't know wilson and we know Isaac is out so mm-hmm. we could we could use a striker yeah on saturday versus fulham and i will say and this is the last point i'll make sure. on this before we go to break is i do think it's only going to get worse um oh boy it's it, it's just you have to take advantage of as many points as you can pick up now. And Newcastle are good enough, I think, top to bottom for them to kind of be able to stick it out still. But, um, I mean, as the season goes on and the matches start to pile up post-January with us taking this never-before-seen three-week international break, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, as well we've already had to cancel matches uh, because of the Queens passing. There's just, it's and you couple that with cup matches with Newcastle genuinely potentially making a cup run and just European, it's, it's going to be a messy second half of the season and there's going to be a lot of complaining and there might be some questions asked to the premier league as to if you knew this was coming, why didn't you extend the season two or three weeks? It literally would make no difference. Uh, there's no major tournaments next summer. So, um, yeah, so I'm I'm curious to see what that looks like and how how what the January window looks like because typically post World Cup uh, it's a, it's a summer window in which there's a lot of big moves made based on the play of the World Cup and yeah. now the first you know window after the World Cup is the window in typic- in which typically teams don't spend so do people's values carry over to next summer that's a different conversation altogether but it does. It does. Maybe we'll have to uh, hook up with the false nines on that one. Yeah, and it yeah, because I mean, I do think part of it is if you're a sporting director, especially you know in Newcastle's position or you know in any of the mid table sides, you have the opportunity to strengthen a lot in January because mm-hmm. there will be players available and players looking to move, uh, players wanting different football. Um, I think, for example, like a, like a Gareth Bale is not going to stick around at LAFC past the World Cup. In my opinion, I think he's going to. Oh, yeah, the we'll M- the and the MLS season will be over, so we'll see. Exactly. So it, it's very much like I think players will be available when we see a lot of spending in January to shore up death or, or go after hmm. some big money signings, and so it's it's something to to keep track of for sure. Yeah. 
All right, uh, let's do a quick little uh, commercial break and hear about whatever Vox Media is deciding we're going to advertise. That sounds positive. (laughs) All right, what an exciting commercial break. I'm sure whatever was advertised was really a great product and or different podcast. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) let's get into this week's match we briefly touched on fulham uh last week but let's dive in a little deeper uh as a fresh reminder we're currently 10th in the table with eight points so uh certainly if you had said this last season i think everyone would be happy with the results but this season that feels like a bit of a disappointment again given the signings made the injury problems the var whatever you want to say it's the hope right it's the hope that kills you yeah it's the hope that kills you yeah uh, and so we could we could uh, leapfrog into the top eight, uh, sixth or seventh, uh, with a win. But you know we could also drop further down mid table. Uh, Josh, is there a reason to worry? Uh, with yeah, so I, yeah. I was looking at the p- potential ma- matches for this weekend, and uh, we could drop as far as fourteenth, I believe, mathematically. Mm-hmm. Should should that happen, right? That we s- we're stuck on eight points. In, in you know 13th or 14th we're not quite bottom do do that again though the next week and then you know then we're talking possibly 16th or 17th then you know then we sh- we start nodding our heads right but what's worse the worst part is i think um there's going to be grumblings about eddie howe and i'm going to tell you something i'm i'm completely on board with eddie howe and i wanted him like at before last year started like before the season started, I knew he was available and I've always been, I was always a fan of his process. And so I was sort of like hoping that we would get him before last year even started. I was, I was a hundred percent on board when they brought him on. And now I'm worried that because of extenuating circumstances and matches that we should hopefully would have been winning now turn into draws, um, his, his system doesn't look as shiny as it should be for things that are sort of beyond his scope. So I'm not worried this week, nor will I be worried if we dropped at 13th or 12th or, you know, something after the weekend. But if this goes on for a few more weeks, you're going to start hearing that rumbling. And that's when we worry because that's when those rumors gain momentum. And we don't know these owners they've been very gracious they've been they've given us what we've wanted so far in the, in the last 12 months or 10 months so far i think we're not quite to the full year mark mm-hmm. they've given us a lot of hope but their expectations may be very high yeah. and and if you take a look at manchester city um you know when they were going through this process a decade ago they had to get through manager after manager, you know, t- they had to go through a few to, to figure out, to get to obviously to Pep, who's the best manager in the world. But yeah. I don't know what their patience is. And I don't know what level of grumbling will influence a decision. And if we go into a world cup break and we're not in the position they were expecting to be, do they drop how during a world cup break, you know, like that seems ridiculous to talk about yeah. it. But if you think about the consequences of a few more results that don't go our way, that may be the conversation in three weeks. Yeah, I, there, there's a couple of things. I think first and foremost, like the priority is staying in the prim. So mm-hmm. I think there's a longer leash if you feel as if the team is good enough to stay in the prim. Again, we don't know their internal goals, but I do think you're given a grace period when if you're at the end of the season saying, Hey, I think we could have picked up more points in the beginning of the year if we weren't. So we got unlucky with injuries. You can, you can pull that card uh, yeah. if you comfortably finish mid table, which I feel Newcastle are a team that on paper shouldn't be like in the bottom three at, at you know, finish in the bottom three. I think secondly, with, with, like you said, the ownership and, and their expectations and what they want to do, I do think what we have seen so far, and this is completely based on just the stories in the athletic with both Bruno Gumier, but sorry, I'm not going to try to say Bruno's last name with both Bruno and with Isak, there was very much at the last minute, um, our chairman 
uh, who I cannot I cannot pronounce his name, so I'm not going to try. The, the Saudi Arabian guy who's representing the PIF on a Newcastle standpoint came to a match and decided abruptly that we are going to make this decision. So, I mean, in uh, he came last January, and then soon soon after that, Newcastle were like, we're going to pull the trigger on Bruno. They made they they pulled the trigger on Bruno. It was always like a in the cards when Sven Botman didn't work out. They had missed it on like a lot of their high quality targets and started just getting guys to fill out the bench and stuff. And remember, Bruno was a, a late late January window signing, yeah. uh, later than you know most of the big money January window signings, uh, especially if you're trying to build someone for the future. And the same thing happened with Isak. I mean, Newcastle had moved on from almost all their attacking options and out of the blue, a player in which they previously thought was too expensive and yeah. more than they wanted to pay for, chairman comes in for for a preseason and, and, or not preseason, for the beginning of the season and recognizes that we have a striker issue and need to bring in another striker and pulls the trigger. So um, as calculated as the PIF is with their investments, it does seem like so far there's been a little bit of a reactionary um there's, there's been some decisions that were purely reactionary and it, none of them have been negative so far, which is right. just good. It's all been the good kind of reactionary decisions of like, yes, we didn't initially think we needed to sign a striker, um, but now we see that the team needs some sort of goal-scoring threat when ASM and Kyle Wilson are both down, which is a very real possibility. So I think that that's where I would lie with like, we don't know. Like you said, we don't know what could happen. And then the last point I'll say on on Eddie Howe is there is a part of me that every manager has to go through in which you may have a system that you want to employ and it could be working and it could have worked for a long time. But there is a time where if it is repeatedly not getting the results that you want, you have to change the system in order to fit what you have. And so maybe that means that you're playing Bruno a bit higher and starting Sean Longstaff as, as a six for the time being, just because in order to get the best out of the team, although Bruno might be the best defensive midfielder that you have in the sense of like, he is just a better defender than the other midfielders we have at the moment. In order to get the best out of the attack, you need to push him further forward because clearly the front three is not going to do that on their own. And so that's where you start to question the, I don't want to say the stubbornness. And it's something that we saw with Rafa too, which I love Rafa, but there was a stubbornness to how he wanted to play the system. And it works out in your favor sometimes, and sometimes it doesn't. And so right. um, there's a, if this keeps going on, at what point do you change the system to accommodate Isak and Wilson at the same time? Or, uh, make up for the fact that you don't have a true defensive holding ball winning midfielder anymore. Like where, or like, why are we trying to invert our wingers who are clearly not comfortable outside of ASM cutting inside? Uh, so there are some things that could be changed that are purely Eddie Howe wants his wingers to be inverted wingers and cut inside and create opportunities. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's very frustrating to watch both Ryan Frazier and McGovern refuse to cross the ball with their weaker foot. <laughs> It's way more pronounced with McGovern, but I mean, we're seeing the same thing with Ryan Fraser, who wants to cross the ball and is great. That's like one of the things he's good at. But when you play him on the left, he does not have that ability, that opportunity and ability to do so as right. as often as he did in the past. Uh, so again, uh, and it's fascinating because Fraser didn't really play out on the left for Eddie Howe at Burnmouth, so this is very different and odd for sure. Yeah, it may be just. It may be just accounting for how big a talent um, some maximum is so that they're accommodating his strengths by weakening the other side just to get the most out of, you know, out of ASM. Um, but, you know, if he were to miss the match versus Fulham, perhaps Eddie does that. He, re- he, he does rethink that. Maybe he does, uh, you know, decide not to invert the wingers and play them the players that he has to their strength. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, I hope that some Maxima is in this weekend, obviously just because, um, and I think we can transition to Fulham if you're ready. Yeah. Um, 
and, and you know, I've got some key points here, but um, we can jump around with them. Um, for me, uh, they their backline. I mean, I use this when we're just discussing England, but yeah. Fulham's backline is suspect as well. Like mm-hmm. they they are, you know, what I wrote was they're worrisome in attack, and they give up, but they give up goals. Yeah. So um, Marco Silva plays a four two three one, and he's stubborn. You want to talk about stubborn? I went back yeah. and looked at like. All the matches they played this year, cup matches, friendlies, everything, 4-2-3-1, 4-2-3-1. He doesn't change his system. Um, and he has got some key injuries, right? So mm-hmm. Harry Wilson's out, and he has been out, right? So he hasn't he hasn't been a notable part of the squad so far this season. But he does, according to Transfer Market, his injury, he is expected back on October 6th. Um, and so he's he's uh, Harry Wilson's a, a quality player, and, uh, and, and his return will help Fulham, but we won't have to worry about that. They're also missing Anthony Robinson. Um, uh, 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 plays left full, I believe he plays left full and yeah. a left wing, a left wing back in, in that in that system. Um, and Niskins Cabano, who also plays out wide, right? So, and I think um, that's going to be in in a four two three one. You know, your your width is kind of determined upon the position of those of those wingers, and then you know the overlapping play from from those fullbacks, right? So they're missing a fullback, they're missing a winger, but more more importantly in this, like. Here's here's the key is uh, Paulinha um, is out for yellow card uh, accumulation, um, which is and, wild, by the way, because it's like <laughs> we're so early into the season. We <laughs> are, yeah, yeah. We're like we're it's really early on, as they say, as they say, early doors, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, so with with Zhao uh, Paulinha out, um, in you know playing in that double double pivot role, he has been like. He has played every single game so far this season, and he has been he's been essential to their uh, to covering their back line. And with him out, and I was kind of watching watching the, uh, the highlights of their last few matches. Those those channels are already like those channels are already open, mm-hmm. right? So with if we had ASM, if he happens to get in, man, we're going to score goals, yeah. right? Um, so. The real trick, as they say in in football, is outscoring your opponent. Do we get more than them? <laughs> because they're going to give them up. They're going to give them up. Yeah, I, I would I would venture as far to say, um, like you look at who Fulham's played, and there has been one impressive match, I will say, uh, in which you know it was the Liverpool one early on in the season where everyone was like, Liverpool have already lost the title. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. by everyone you mean Liverpool fans, like yeah, exactly. lamenting, yeah. Liverpool fans immediately saying that they lost the title and whatever. Um, and again, I, there's no doubt in my mind they looked impressive in that match. But since then, like you said, it's been very leaky at the back. Uh, I mean, they lost to Crawley in the cup. Uh, I mean, Arsenal was a different look. Arsenal, but it was a two-one loss to Arsenal as well. They've beaten Brighton. They lost to Tottenham. Uh, and they don't, their only, you know, real wins have come against Brentford, which again, you know, pound they gave up, pound. Then yeah. they gave up goals though. Like they, yeah. they got that it's win, 3-2. but it's right. It's three, two. And, and then, then it, again, against the forest who forest, uh, it's just, that team is in such dysfunction to let forest score two goals and win that one three, two as well. It, it yeah. is a little sus and. Again, we talked about on the last pod how Mitrovic has definitely seemed to have figured it out and put things together. And I mean, I think he's going to be dangerous again. But like you said, the the uh, the the back line has been sus for sure, and they're already missing you know key cover in the in uh, for the back line. And so I think this could be goals galore. I'm curious to see how many goals are scored. <laughs> Yeah, they've got, I, I believe, if I was reading this right, they've got 12 goals so far in the season. Mm-hmm. Mitrovic accounts for half of those, right? Um, Polina with two, he's out. Um, I would I would venture to guess, obviously, Mitrovic is going to be, you're, you're going to want to lock down Mitro. Good luck, right? Yeah. I mean, the guy's a beast. He's just, yeah, he's just, he's, in, he's on a tear right now in which, like, it's not Holland-esque where everything he touched turns to gold, but he's just finding all the right spaces as well right now. Yeah. So it's just, you know, you can do whatever you want. And again, I believe in Newcastle's back line. It's, it's good. I think uh, so. But, but I yeah. mean, uh, it's going to be a test for sure. I would say, I would say just the result of Mitro being um, such a, such a burden 
mm-hmm. keep track of. I think that's going to open up Bobby D. Cordiva Reed, and I would expect a goal from from him out wide. And I mean, I'm gonna I'm just gonna sort of like I called, uh, you know, who did I call? Um, you Philip Billing. Yeah, Same. Billing. Yep, yep. So I'm gonna call Bobby D. Cordiva Reed as sort of like the uh, the sneaky guy you got to watch. You got to watch, especially with with uh, uh, Cabano, um, you know, sidelined. I think uh, Reed uh, Decordiva Reed is going to be one to watch. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I would say that that's definitely one to watch. In addition to our good friend Alexander Mitro. Uh so we'll see. Um, it does seem like, and this is something that is one to watch. Is we might find out that Mitro might not play. He apparently did pick up a slight niggle uh, at the as they say, of, yeah, yeah, at the tail end of the international break, a foot injury, um, and. Uh, just it, other, it, we already touched on all the injury notes, but I will say, like I'm now seeing on, so I've checked out a couple of things, and we totally forgot to mention Elliot Anderson was was that injury. Apparently, it's it, that could keep him out as well. Who knows? Um, You're kidding me. I didn't even see that one. Yeah, that's just one of those where I don't, I had, I, I didn't really look too far into the U21s appearances, so I don't know how much he played or if he didn't play or if it got worse. But I've, I looked, I've poked around a couple while we took a quick break of just like. What are people saying, like previews and stuff? And again, these are all previews based off of random reports that everyone is kind of compiling together. And the consensus is that Elliot Anderson's been listed on a couple of them. Uh, I think out of the three, he was on two as like could miss. And then um, another one in which kind of slipped, like like just to confirm what you said, it does seem like that Chris Wood injury is more of a, a legitimate injury rather than just a, a knock or nickel. So he could be out, but Bruno's is potentially not as bad as, as, as we thought he could play and Cal Wilson and, and ASM, it all seems like they're all game time decisions. And so we'll find out. tomorrow. <laughs> so this could be, this could be another one in which like we come back next week and record this and like, I don't know how we're going to feel because it, we're in a situation in which right now Newcastle don't have a striker on healthy. Like literally not, not one. That's yeah. why I was asking what Santiago Munoz doing because. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll find out because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, and so, so someone's going to get an opportunity, uh, you know, and it's, it's really an odd one because like, I don't even think we've ever really been in a situation in which, all of the strikers have been out plus ASM. We've seen ASM yeah. fill in as like a pseudo striker and have been like a false nine. You know, yeah, what would be interesting. It would be interesting, um, you know, to see Miggy, to see Miggy, maybe get a more free role instead of having to, to play out wide, maybe get yeah. a, a more free role in a false nine. I mean, if there's no strikers to give him that opportunity and then, um, you know, then you've got your Frazier. I mean, and worse comes to worse. We've got Murphy can, ugh. <laughs> it's one of, you start naming names you start you start yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking about depth and we kind of get we kind of get down to the bottom of the yeah i'm curious about that I, I, I would also go as far to say as like um would would love to see if and depends on if elliot anderson like what his health status is yeah and this could all be for not like we could wake up tomorrow morning because by the time we wake up the the press conference will have already happened we can wake up tomorrow morning and see that asm's healthy bruno's healthy and calm wilson are healthy and it's gonna be lovely yeah there's and you know there's as much a chance as that as anything so fingers crossed fingers crossed i you know if we go so you know care to make a prediction right Mm -hmm. if we go into this full strength or at least the the you know the best strength that we can muster yeah um i i would venture to guess um we're gonna get we're gonna get two to three and you know from uh, from this match against fulham um, I just don't think that they I don't think that they could stop our attack. I know we haven't seen that so far this season from us, but I think it's time for a breakout. Um, and, yeah. and I think I think Fulham, you know, if if we have Wilson back in the lineup, if Bruno's healthy, if we have San Maximo back, uh, I see I see a, a three to one. I see a three to one win. And, and and to be fair, I wouldn't I wouldn't say we haven't seen that because we did we did score three against Man City. That's which that's you know I mean who else who else can say that? I'm not looking at Man City's, you know, yeah. their schedule so far, but literally, can anyone say that they've done that? So yeah, and you could argue that the first the first week against Nottingham Forest was a lot of Newcastle not being able to finish. Um, like expected goals wise, and I don't want to nerd out too much. Expected goal wise, like the Newcastle attack is actually, you know, looking better than it has in the yeah. past four yeah. to five seasons. It's just very much like 
people are missing from point blank range. We talked about Jolent's chance uh, in the last episode yeah. of just like we had three like three shots within five yards of 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 the of, of the goal and just could not score. And so um yeah, I think that there's there's potential there even though it doesn't always look like the the attack is humming and hawing as as people think it should. There's been glimpses. Um, I think I will go with a 2-1 result, and I think it will be plenty of chances for Newcastle, and I think they will win this. Um, but I, I think we're going to still run into the same of uh, people not named Callum Wilson being able to finish. Um, if Callum Wilson plays, he gets a goal yeah. um, for sure. That's just a given, I think, at this point. Um, and I'm going to say that if the other goal is going to come from ASM or Miggy, one of them, uh, Miggy needs it. Fingers yeah. crossed for him. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm a Miggy fan, but I try. I'm trying not to be as as biased and be more critical of him. Yes, uh, sir. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, just that's just that's a me thing. I think I, I gassed him way too much on on the podcast before. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, but just while we have it, and we'll still finish, you know, in a decent time. I do wonder, you know, if we're in a situation, worst case scenario, we're saying no strikers healthy, no ASM, no uh, no Bruno, what does that result look like? Bear, bear in mind that, you know, Fulham also have their slew of injuries. And if it's worst case scenario for both teams, there's no Mitro for them as well. So what is that? What does that look like for you? Ones. It's a draw. Yeah. I, I would Me, say that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would go as far to say as it could be just a nil nil draw it could be nils yeah because, yeah they yeah. they did didn't we draw nil nil with wolves is that what we did or was that yeah and yeah. also fulham did too <laughs> yeah exactly yeah they did they did as well and i think that that could be the worst case scenario that could be the case it could be the most drab dire match of football and uh everyone from the guardian to sports illustrated will uh have have a piss and a moan about it so yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and um, I would just be curious to see what Newcastle does in that case in terms of just attack because that is a weird one to potentially have, you know, all three of your strikers not available plus the the guy who you use as a false nine not available does put that that's will Eddie Howe make adjustments? That would be a way to find out. <laughs> oh, well, oh, wow, it's kind of crazy, but <laughs> totally forgot about this. Joel Linton is technically a forward, so. But it's been weird where it's like there's been opportunities for Joe Linton to have stepped in and be moved to the striker position and just hasn't been moved there despite all of last season. Eddie Howe saying Joe Linton is a forward. We like where he is now, but he is a forward through and through. So that yeah. that's my that's my closing thought on that. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Well, we will see. We will yeah. see. Plenty to yeah. watch for. Yeah. So that's been uh, episode uh, 182 of CHN Radio. Josh, you got any, any final words for the people? Uh, get in where you fit in. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Get in where you fit in. I love it. Uh, that's been that's been uh, CHN Radio. I'm Elijah. That's Josh. Uh, away the lights and uh, we love you guys. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park if the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home. And I'm proud to be a Jody and to live in Jody land. Some people think we're bawdy and we're hard to understand. And they say it's just self-pity. And we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city Haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wedding I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the river Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound And me mother saying, hey, how we I'm coming home The old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names 
like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the gates of games. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the darkness in James's Park in the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. Park the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of the river tide. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound of me mother saying, Hey, how we I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again. I'll brave the dog, it's in James's park, in the Gallagher's end, in the rain, I'm coming.